Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peoples praise you, O God. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you, O God. The earth has yielded, yielded its increase. God shall bless us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let the peoples praise you, O God. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty, eternal God, in the word of your apostles and prophets, you have proclaimed to us your saving will. Grant us faith to believe your promises that we may receive eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated. Today's Old Testament reading is from Exodus chapter 19, verses 2 through 8. The people of Israel set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountains, while Moses went up to, the, to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All of our children up for a children's message. I guess we normally stand here, huh? <laughs> it's different in every church. Well, hey guys, thanks for coming up. Uh, let me ask you, have your parents ever asked you to do something for them? Yeah, can you think of any examples? Yeah? Clean your room, okay, that's probably a big one. Anything else? Clean the dishes, yeah? What about do your homework? Has that ever been something that they've told you to do? Yeah, do your homework, get your homework done. I remember I had a little trouble doing my homework when I was, uh, when I was your age, so that can sometimes be a tough thing. Well, yeah, when we're, um, we have people in authority over us, right? Our parents and our teachers, and if we play sports, maybe our coaches will tell us to do something. They'll tell us to practice our, our baseball or soccer or whatever it is that we like to play. What about God? Does he have anything that he wants us to do? Yeah, does he give us tasks, things that we're supposed to be doing? And what are those? Anybody know? Yeah. Oh. Believe in him and tell the word. That's right, that's, that's perfect. 
That's great. And actually, I'm really glad you said that because that's what we're going to be hearing about today in our gospel lesson. We're going to be hearing about a time when Jesus called his disciples together and told them to go out and preach the gospel to all kinds of people who hadn't heard it yet. How many of you, do, do you know how many disciples there were? Yeah, how many were there? That's right, there were 12. And so Jesus tells just those 12 people to go out and preach the word to the surrounding towns. But then later on, is it just those 12 who are supposed to go out and tell the word to people? No, who, who is supposed to do that? Yeah? Everybody, everybody who believes in him. And why would we want to tell the, about the word of God to other people? Why would we want to do that? Yeah? And so that they know. And what happens when you know about Jesus? Yeah, you get your sins forgiven? Yeah, do you get the promise of eternal life with God in his kingdom? Yeah, that's a wonderful gift. And all of you here know about this, and everybody else here in this building knows about this wonderful gift that uh, Jesus has given us, but not everybody in the world does. In fact, there's a lot of people in the world who don't know about it. And that's why Jesus tells his disciples first, and then everybody who believes in him, to go out and proclaim his name to all the people who don't know him, because he wants his church to get bigger. He wants more people to come to know him and receive the same gifts that we've been given, and he wants to share those with everybody else. And the way he shares them with everybody else is through us. We go on out there, and we talk to people, we tell them about Jesus, about how he died and rose again from the dead for us, and when we do that, and when people believe it, they become part of the church too, and they have the same hope of eternal life. And so that's a wonderful thing, and we're going to hear about that more in our gospel lesson and in our sermon today, but I want all of you, when you go back to school or back to, uh, back to your groups of friends or anything like that, if you know somebody at school who doesn't know Jesus, who's not part of a church, why don't you tell them about Jesus? I bet they'll listen to you. And you might give them the opportunity to become, Jesus, to become part of Jesus' church as well. So why don't we fold our hands and we're going to say a prayer. And I'd invite you all to repeat after me. Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving us by dying and rising again. Help us to tell other people about the wonderful blessings that you've given us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks for coming up, guys. You guys can head back to your seats. Today's epistle lesson is from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 15. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now reconciled, we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the, trans the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth and tenth chapters. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated for the hymn of the day. Our hymn of the day is number 918 in the Lutheran service book. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, or thou, guide me, O thou great Redeemer.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In today's Gospel reading, we hear one of the most well-known sayings of Jesus when he tells his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And from there, Jesus proceeds to commission the twelve disciples to go out and be those laborers so that they may gather the harvest for their Lord. These words of Jesus serve as the introduction to one of his great missionary discourses in which he tells his disciples to proclaim the gospel in the surrounding cities and towns and bring more people to faith in Jesus as Lord and Christ. As with the other passages of the New Testament focused on Christian mission, it's helpful for us Christians today to examine what Jesus says here and see how it might help us in our own efforts to share our faith with others. But we do have to remember that the commission that Jesus gives to his 12 disciples here is not the exact same as that that which he gives to all Christians everywhere. The time periods are different and the situations are different. Therefore, it would behoove us to examine this passage a bit more closely so that we could determine how our calling as Christians is different from that of the twelve disciples and also how it is the same. First of all, the differences. When Jesus commissions his disciples to go out and proclaim the gospel, he chooses twelve specific individuals and gives them special authority in his name. Not only are they to preach the gospel, but they are also to do other things by the mighty power of God. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. They can do this because Jesus has given them special authority to do so. It's important to note that this authority is given only to the 12 specific individuals named in our text. Jesus does not give out this kind of power to everyone who is following him at that point. The twelve are chosen specifically to be apostles, which gives them a mandate and authority that extends beyond that of your average everyday Christian. Every apostle is a disciple, but not every disciple is an apostle. So it would be unrealistic for us to take Jesus' commands to heal the sick and cast out demons and apply them to ourselves because we have not been given that kind of special authority. Sure, we seek to help others in their physical needs, but we have to do so by more conventional means. Money, food, medicine, and the like. The authority and command to do these miraculous works was something unique to the New Testament age, and it died out along with the apostles toward the end of the first century AD. So these aspects of the apostolic ministry are not applicable to our calling as Christians today. Secondly, when Jesus gives his commission to the twelve disciples, he tells them to avoid Gentiles and Samaritans. They are only to go to the towns and villages of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is in keeping with Jesus' role as the Christ. He is sent first to save the Jews, then the Gentiles. The Israelites, as God's special chosen people, were also given a special role in salvation history. The Messiah and his apostles came from their nation, and they were also the first people to hear the good news of the coming of Jesus. It was not yet time for God's salvation in Christ to be extended out to all the other nations of the earth, and so Jesus limited his apostles to preaching in the towns of the Israelites. By contrast, we Christians today live almost 2,000 years after the coming of Jesus. The way of salvation has been open to Gentiles for almost that entire time. 
Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that he had commanded them. The church's mandate to share its faith with the nations has been passed down through every generation of Christians up until the present time. We are sent not just to the house of Israel, but to every nation on earth. And it's a good thing, too, because I doubt that more than a few of us here today, if any, have Jewish ancestry. We're all Gentiles, and so the fact that the kingdom of God has been expanded to Gentiles like us is a very good thing. It means that we, too, like the house of Israel, can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. So this aspect of Jesus' commission in our text is also not the same for us today as it was for the original apostles. They initially preached only to Israelites, but the church today preaches the gospel to all people of all nations. But despite these significant differences, there are a number of important similarities between Jesus' original commission to his apostles and our situation as 21st century Christians. The first of these is this. Jesus has compassion on the lost because they are harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. The original crowds that Jesus was seeing in our text had been greatly failed by their spiritual leaders. The Sadducees had become corrupt and colluded with the Roman government. The Pharisees had become self-righteous holy rollers and Herod their king was about as immoral and debauched as you could get. There was no one in Israel at the time who was teaching the people the truth and so they were all lost, with no one to guide them and bring the grace of the Lord their God to them. But then into this spiritual void stepped Jesus, who spoke with divine authority and condemned the corruption and false teachings of the leadership of Israel. He brought a message of hope, healing, and reconciliation with God to people who desperately needed to hear it. And by so doing, he became their good shepherd who would lay down his life for them. Similarly, people in our world today are also harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. They're told by our culture that they can do anything they want, give in to their passions, and find true freedom. Our culture says that submission to God is slavery, while freedom is throwing off the chains of all authority and doing whatever pleases you. But this way of life only leads to slavery to sin and gives no hope or peace to those who practice these things. So many people today are broken and battered by the fruits of our society's general rejection of God and his ways. They're hopeless and helpless and need somebody to come and help them in the midst of their pain. That's where Jesus comes in, where he still comes in even 2,000 years later. Jesus proclaims a message of peace, joy, and hope, one that promises forgiveness and acceptance for, to those who have sinned against God and peace and purpose for those who desire to leave their aimless and sinful ways of life. Jesus has compassion on the people of today who are like sheep without a shepherd, and he sends his people, us, to bring good news to them. And that brings us to the second similarity between our situation and the situation in our text. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We can look around us today and see that there is indeed a plentiful harvest waiting to be reaped and stored in God's storehouses. Our society is becoming less and less Christian every day, and the United States is now just as large of a mission field as any other country on earth. There is plenty of work to be done right here in our own communities. 
We must, therefore, as Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. We pray that God would inspire the men of his church everywhere to enter the office of the holy ministry, to become pastors and publicly preach the gospel and administer the sacraments. As many of our older pastors retire and fewer of our younger men are going to seminary, we could be facing a major clergy shortage in the next several decades. It's our responsibility as Christians to pray earnestly that God would send faithful men to become pastors and send them out into the mission field to reap a harvest for his kingdom. But of course, you don't need to be a pastor to share your faith with your friends or neighbors. I would imagine that every person in this room knows at least one person who's not a Christian. You yourselves can be the answer to your own prayer. Tell others of the wonderful deeds that God has done for you in Christ. And perhaps some of them will listen to you and want to learn more about this whole church thing. You don't have to be a professional church worker to labor in God's harvest. God wants all of his people to proclaim his grace in Christ and bring others to faith in him. For someone who's like a sheep without a shepherd, you can be the person who shows them their savior and gives them hope for the future. Finally, the last similarity between our text and our situation today is this. In both situations, God's people proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This may not be how we Christians today are accustomed to speaking of our faith, but it really does encapsulate the whole of the Christian gospel. The kingdom of heaven being at hand somewhere means that God is doing his gracious work in Christ in that place. He is calling people to repent of their sin and believe in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for their salvation. He is present for them in the ministry of word and sacrament, proclaiming the forgiving word of the gospel through his chosen servants, and giving believers his body and blood as a pledge of his faithfulness to them. And he is promising us that a new and better day awaits us in the future, a day on which Christ will return to earth and raise up all the dead, and give his faithful people eternal lives in his glorious kingdom. That's what the kingdom of heaven being at hand means. It means that God is sending his grace to his people, forgiving their sins and giving them the promise of eternity spent with him, all for the sake of the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the very same gospel that we proclaim to our neighbors who so desperately need to hear it. The kingdom of heaven is indeed at hand, Therefore, we Christians go and tell others this remarkable fact, that they may also partake in the many blessings that God grants to us through it. So, even though our text for today isn't an exact how-to manual for how we Christians are to share our faith in Christ with the world today, it still has much to say to us. It helps us remember that the people to whom we witness are hurting and helpless because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion for these people, and as such, we do too. Secondly, our text reminds us that there is much work to be done and few workers with which to do it, and so we ought to pray for God to send those workers into the harvest. We encourage young men to join the office of the ministry, and lay Christians share their faith with others in their various vocations in life. Finally, our text tells us what we are to proclaim, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand because of the amazing work of God in Christ. Jesus Christ has died and risen again to win forgiveness for our sins and eternal life with God and his kingdom. What could be a more wonderful message than that? How could we not want to share this incredible gift with our family, friends, and neighbors? By proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom of heaven, we give others the opportunity to hear it and believe in Jesus, 
thus ensuring their own participation in God's kingdom. God has given us the great mandate and privilege to share his word with others and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Let us then obey his commission to us, that others would also come to faith in him and receive the same wonderful salvation that we have received through his death and resurrection. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We rise as we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, Born of, Born the of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius, under Pontius Pilate, Pilate, was crucified, was crucified died, and was buried. He descended into, he descended hell. into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. From the dead. He, ascended he ascended into heaven, into heaven and sits at the, and right, sits at the right hand of God, the Father, the Father Almighty. Almighty. And thence he will, come, thence to he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the, I believe Holy, in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian, the Holy Christian Church, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated for the gathering of our own. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is the preaching, teaching, and baptizing, and sharing the love of Christ in our church, our community, and our world. Our church council meets Thursday, this Thursday at 7 p.m. to hear about the LCMS endowment fund alternatives and any other such business that comes before the council. If you have any questions, please contact Darren Shane. Please join us for a Friends in Christ gathering this Friday at 6 p.m. at the home of Scott and Charlotte George for Christian fellowship and a potluck meal. The Trinity School Board is seeking a part-time teacher for the 2017-2018 school year. The individual will work from 10.15 to 3.15 each day and will be responsible for 7th and 8th grade homeroom middle school social studies or reading, and elementary PE. Please send a resume and a cover letter to Amanda Minning at Trinity Lutheran School, tlsfrystat.org, or faxed to phone number 417-235-5775. By June 28th, you may also contact this church at 235-5931 for more information about this position.
Let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, as you sent your disciples out into the harvest to be your laborers, we ask that you would help us to have a zeal for your kingdom, that we might proclaim your word to others, share with them the wonderful grace that you have given us in Christ, and bring them to faith in you as well, that they may participate with us in the forgiveness and life and salvation that you have promised us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. We ask, Lord, that you would be with all those in this congregation who are ill or experiencing difficulties. We pray that you would bring healing and comfort to all of them. In particular, today, we pray for Melba McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Mary Fritz, Ella Clybaker, Flora Oberman, Landreth Worm, Erwin Kruger, Erna Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Rosa Marie Griman, Carol McIntyre, Marilyn Stewart, Brenda Lawmaster, Elmer Kaiser, Ethel Helmkamp, Dale Chapman, Dan Haynes, Joan Haynes, Bill and Jim Wilson, Becky Morgan, Eldred Holly, and Addison Trokey. Lord, in your mercy. We rejoice with those that are celebrating milestones in their lives this week. We thank you for the wonderful blessings that you have given them, and we pray that you would continue to shower your blessings upon them in the future. We pray today for those who celebrate anniversaries, especially Scott and Charlotte George, and for those who celebrate birthdays, especially Elmer Stellwagen. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, on this Father's Day, we ask that you would continue to bless all of the fathers in our midst. We thank you for the wonderful service that, you give, that they give to you and to their families and to our society by raising up godly children. We pray that you would help all of us to love and respect them and help them to continue to complete their tasks with joy, knowing that as earthly fathers, they are showing others the same grace and kindness that you, they have received from you, their heavenly Father. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him, being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The first of our distribution hymns is number 628 in the Lutheran service book, Your Table I Approach.
Our second hymn is number 620, Jesus Comes Today with Healing. Number 620 in the Lutheran Service. Our next distribution hymn is number 392 in the Lutheran service book. That's 392, God Loves Me Dearly.
rise for the canticle. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with favor and give you peace. And we close with the last two verses of praise to the Lord, the Almighty. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Now, normally when I'm done at uh, Trinity Springfield, we have kind of a greeting time here. Is that, do we, do we do that here? Or do we just go? We just go. All right. Well, go in peace and serve the Lord. Thank you very much for allowing me to serve with you today. <laughs>